The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. I got Mike Davis here with me. Matthew Dillner. Leah is back. Welcome Woo. back. Everybody be happy. That's right. <laughs> we missed her last week. Our guest today, Rick Hendrick. I mean, this should have been one of the first guests. You think it would have been, right? Anyhow, going to be a lot of fun. We're going to dive in. Let's get started. All right, guys. Well, um, we had a pretty eventful week. Went to Richmond for the race weekend. Yeah. I flew with... The race winner, Martin Trex Jr., there and home. Pretty that'd, interesting. That'd have been fun. So, yeah, we're pals. And I try not – you know, when when I'm watching the race, I don't I, I don't play favorites. I don't pull for Martin to win, uh, if that makes sense. I don't you, you, care one way or another how – who wins, right? Um, it's great to see good people do good things, and I like when Martin's happy, whatever makes Martin happy, because I like him as a person, but really what he does on the track makes no difference to me. Right. But it was interesting being on that side of it. So he wins the race. I know, all right, I don't need to be in a hurry to get out of here. So I collected all my stuff in the booth, and I went down to the media center, and I sat in the media center and waited on them to finish whatever they did. So they go, uh, I'm sitting in the media center, and here, here comes the crew chief and the owner, Joe Gibbs, Cole Pern. They do their media press conference real quick. And then here comes the race winner, and he comes in and does his. And then uh, Tyler Overstreet, who used to work with us and yeah. used to host, help me host this podcast, uh, was sitting in there. And I go, all right, where are y'all going next? And he goes, well, we'll go out, and they'll take, the pic- they'll take their selfie that they take after every win. So I went out to the uh, – uh, race car and they're tearing the car down and passing inspection uh, we heard uh, there was some media gathering in the garage uh, and I said uh, so I went over to Bob Pockers and I said Bob what's going on he goes well the the, the results on NASCAR.com disappeared and that's usually uh, a sign of some issues mm. and so they had found the problem with the 20 car uh, the rear toe on the 20 car Eric Jones and so, and he finished uh, what? Four, fifth, fourth, fourth. fourth. Yeah, so, yes, so, that's yeah. right. It's one, two, three, four. And so he finished fourth. Had a great run and needed a great run. My heart broke for that kid because they'd worked so hard. He had such bad circumstances two years in a row at Vegas coming into the playoffs, and uh, looked like he may get eliminated again mm. in the first round. Um, it was with a with a team and a driver very capable of going much further than that. So that was a little heartbreaking, but. We're standing around in the garage while all that's going on, and then I got to watch the uh, the uh, winning team take their <laughs> victory selfie as they do, and then Trick said, you ready to go? Let's go. And I hopped in the back of a uh, rental van, and we headed on out. Uh, got home, set, spent yesterday sitting around the house watching some football, yeah, which was fun for fantasy. I won both of my fantasy football games. Congratulations. Thank you. And so Already? I'm two, both of my team, yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteed to win, regardless of tonight's Dang. results. The Redskins play tonight. Good thing you're not Which I figured it would be half your team. But right about the time this thing comes out, the Redskins game will be started. I do not draft Redskins <laughs> unless they are worth drafting. So that's a damn sure way of being miserable in fantasy football is by drafting players on your favorite team. Yeah. Um, even if they do perform. But, yeah, my teams are two and one, both of them. In I got fantasy. You well, you got three and oh, mm-hmm. yeah. What? Except my main guy got hurt yesterday, Who? Barkley. Yeah, I have him as well. <sighs> he looks pretty bad, stressful. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Uh, he was the number one pick for most what, what happened? Most I teams. I, he ankle. has an ankle injury. Oh. It looks looks to be 
um, concerning. But, um, yeah. So we also have some other news. Do you want to talk about that? Tell, I, we don't know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I guess it'll be out. Yep. Oh, so I, as of this conversation, as we're recording right now, it is not known information. So this is very exciting to me. When you hear this, though, you may know this already because it's going to come out while he's editing the podcast. But Bubba Pollard's going to drive for Junior Motorsports at the 300-lap uh, uh, late model stock race at Martinsville. Mm-hmm. Bubba raced there last year and uh, had a great race. Uh, ended up finishing poorly like a lot of people did, but still performed well, ran well. And he's amazing short track racer in his own right, just doing winning races all over the place over the last several years. And he's agreed, and we've come to an agreement to, to have him in our car. Uh, he'll be teammates with Josh Berry, who was leading the most laps there, I think, last year and ended up getting knocked out at the end. But I know going into that Martinsville race that bad things can happen at the end, so I don't really ever get my hopes up. But I'm excited that Bubba Pollard's agreed to race for us, man. This guy is leg- almost reaching legend- legendary status as a competitor while he's competing. Uh, so to have him have his you know story co- even – Minutely linked to ours is very cool. So I'm very asked, proud. I'd asked Matthew last week. I said, you know, help somebody that doesn't follow short track racing like myself uh, as closely as y'all do. Like put into perspective where Bubba Pollard is on the on the uh, on the charts right now. Is he the best yeah. right now out there? Do you? Th- I mean, there's we're talking about thousands, <clears throat> but Bubba Pollard is a name uh, that you hear because he wins so yeah. much. To have him running for you in your late model with Josh Berry, that is a hell yeah. of a uh, of a lineup that you are taking to Martinsville, which is you know one well, of the biggest races. Well, let me tell you a little unique story uh, nugget to this. So um, we were uh, trying to fill in our second car and reached out to Bubba and were having conversations with him, and then he had decided that he was going to go build his own. At least this is the side of the story that I've heard. There's two sides to every story. So we 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 were going to do uh, put Bubba in the second car, and that didn't quite work out. So I called Johnny Salter. And I had me and Johnny had agreed mm. for him to drive the car wow. at Martinsville, and I was going to pay for it out of my pocket, and uh, so that was going to be amazing. And then Bubba came back and said, "I got a partner that and and some sponsorship, and would love to do the deal." So I called Johnny and I said, "Hey Johnny, this if I do the thing with Bubba, it'll I won't have to pay for it out of my pocket." And uh, he goes, "I understand that," but uh, I did tell. Johnny that I wanted to run him next year if he was okay. interested. So for those fans that were really That's excited cool. about that really becoming a reality, I want to make it happen next year if Johnny's still on board. And I think it'd be amazing have Johnny Solder in a late model stock car at Martinsville. He's great at Martinsville, and, and he's a hell of a race car driver and fun. Be cool. But, yeah, for the, some people, to what he said, some people that listen to this podcast don't realize that you can easily list Bubba Pollard as one of the great best short track racers in America. Today. Today, yeah. easily. Right. For sure. Well, So, exciting things. When for, is that uh, race, man? Junior Motorsports. October 5th. October 5th. Very Saturday. soon. It's coming up. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a hard race to, uh, to qualify for. It's a hard race to run well in, much less go in there to try to you know, win. How many cars will show up to try? I to don't even know, but I'm I'm not look. I'm not putting our expect. I'm not raising expectations for us. I'm just thrilled to have the opportunity to put you know get Bub out on track. We're going to see how it goes. Hopefully, it goes well and everybody's happy at the end of the day. Um, I just want Bubba to say it was a great experience. So, yeah. 
We'll see how that works out. Mike, you have a Did You See That? You guys remember that segment we used to have on the show? Did You oh, See That? Oh, I did have a Did You, you See did That? Have, do you remember what it was? I, I do. <laughs> We're going from Bubba Pollard to this. This is uh, <laughs> great segue. I, I, I just, I just, I wanted to get your reaction to this, mm-hmm. Dale. This blew me away. Our friend Tony Jr., Tony Yuri Jr. Okay, uh, you know, I don't know if many people know this, but there had been some medical scares in the family, right? I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we want to even get into that sure. right now, but um, it, you know, within the family, not with Tony Jr. himself, but within the family, and uh, you know. It led Tony Jr. to do something, and I find this on Facebook. I find his uh, girlfriend on Facebook had posted some pictures of Tony Jr. Uh, at a doctor, and this is what it said. Today was a big day for Tony Jr. Until today, he had never been to a doctor before. What? Ever. But after recent medical scares with the family, we promised ourselves that we would go to the doctor and get checked out. He was so funny. He had no idea what the nurse was doing when she put that rubber band around his arm just to take his blood pressure. He had no idea. Now, how old is Tony Jr.? He's a year older than me, so 45. So 45. Have you ever heard of anybody that had never been to a doctor in their 45 years of existence? No. And yet here he was. And Tony Jr., listen, I don't think this is knocking him down at all. But, the, you know, he's not, a, he's not exactly running triathlons or anything. I mean, he's not exactly the, you know, the bill of health that, you know— I could not believe that a, 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 an adult had never been to a doctor before. That is crazy. But there he was. So he got checked out. He, he didn't. He, and now, because she, she continues, he said he now feels old because he's being referred to other specialists. Bad knees, the bad knees specialist, all the things that you're, you know, all the specialist doctors. And he doesn't want to go, but he's going to do it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm going to bring this up because I wanted to see if not going to a doctor in 45 years is something you had ever even heard of. I hadn't, but that's shocking. That's crazy. Yeah, right. I didn't go to a dentist uh, for twenty five years my at goodness. one point, but I anal retentively took care of my teeth. So, yeah, because I had a phobia. Wild! I couldn't but believe it. Nuts. There you go. Did you I'll, see that? There was another. Presented did you see by that? Mike Davis. <laughs> there was another. Thing. Oh, there's another. One? Uh, do you want to give an update? Because uh, sure. you have now uh, you now uh, identified dates on your calendar to go weed Wilkesboro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell people. No, no, don't. I don't exactly want you to. What those dates are. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that you are moving this thing along. Buddy. We're doing. I this. mean, this thing is happening. Yes. After I last want, week, I want iRacing to scan this track and build it. Yeah. Well, th- that was the thing. I, by the way, I talked to Steve Myers last week of iRacing. Of iRacing. That's right. And you had said that you wanted them just to scan it to have. Before have it falls down. But he's been wanting to build it. Yeah. And so that will be something that they do at iRacing is to yeah. build that track for people to race. Yeah. So I, I, I reached out to Steve and said, hey, I just think you should at least go scan the track. How much, how expensive is that? He said, relatively simple process. And I said, you just need to get the data, whether you build the track or not. Maybe go grab the data that way well, you have it. And, uh, you know, because building the track for iRacing is extremely expensive. Right, and uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't anticipate them building the track, but I was like, probably smart idea just to get the data. That way, you have it because the track may get demolished one day or whatever. You just never know. It is fall, you know, it is you know dilapidated, dilapidated, and 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 going the way of nature. And so we're going to do it. We're going to go over there. We're going to clear the surface so they can scan it. Uh, we're not doing a full landscaping job from you know corner to corner. We just need to get the surface clear. Yeah. The surface of the track and pit road and some in the walls as well. There's some vines growing up the fence and so forth. But 
other than that, we're not doing anything else. We're going to leave the shrubs and stuff that are growing around the uh, the track, and, and we're not going over there to do a real bang-up job. So don't get to it. You know, for the people that are just purists and want to see the track taken care of, don't don't yeah. be. you might be a little disappointed. <laughs> You're not getting that. an event ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- there was one other thing you added is that, you know, I asked you about, you know, when you scan it, it's going to scan the cracks and everything. But, um, you know, as they build this track, he said there are things that they can do to massage it and do things that, you know, they're going to get the, the characteristics of the track generally how it was and that they can massage it to where they can make Wilkesboro race on iRacing as it was, uh, you know, yeah, pre-cracks. In the, yeah, in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that would be they'll, fun. They'll do a great job. That's and awesome. I, I think this, the the community will be thrilled. Yeah. So good job getting that revolution. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Started. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. So Rick Hendrick, he's in the house. He's at the table. Uh, a lot of people excited about this one. I'm excited about this yeah. one. Um, <clears throat> thanks for coming, Rick. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. I was wondering why you never asked me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, you're a hard guy to track down. You're busy. So uh, a lot of places we could go with this. Yeah. But you know, one thing that I always um, feel compelled to tell people about Rick when you know talking about our relationship and going to drive for him and and you know why why I decided to go to HMS and all those things is I feel like a lot of people don't know the family connection with uh with um with rick and uh, my grandfather robert g and so you know people just think that i know rick from nascar and cup racing and uh but it goes way beyond that so you and my grandfather robert g on my mom's side he was a body man in the business and and Uncle uh, Robert G. Jr. works here at Junior Motorsports. Jimmy G., his brother, my uncle, also worked here as well. All those guys are in racing. Y'all grew up in the same town. Yep, we grew up in South Hill, Virginia. And uh, when I was 15 years old, I went to Robert's body shop, and he put a scoop on my 65 Chevelle. A hood scoop? A hood scoop. What did you want that on there for? Because it was cool back then. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a body shop. How old was he then at the time? Golly, I don't. I, you'll have to do the math. It, it, I don't it, know. It, I mean, he was old enough to own a body shop, I guess, right? Well, it was called a Flying A Station, and a couple of the drag race guys were there, and Robert and you. You, I was almost afraid to go in there to ask him would he do this scoop on my hood, and he did. And uh, I met him then. Then when I moved to Charlotte in 1977, uh, Robert was running a dirt car, and he came over and he said, "Hey, I'm, I've got this dirt car. I want." How about helping me out? And so we kind of rekindled that relationship, and, and I was involved in his dirt car. Why would you be afraid to go in there initially? Was it just in That was a rough crowd, man. Oh, was I mean, it? They were, they were uh, no, it was, I was, I was just younger than they were, you know, and, and there was kind of a little click there in the, in, the, in the town, and you knew that that was he and his posse. He had a posse. That's <laughs> where you got it from. The original yeah. Dirty Mo yeah, posse, that's right? right. <laughs> Well, all right, so um, I guess I don't even know how he did, but how did y'all get from South Hill down to Charlotte? Well, I went, I moved to Raleigh. and I, Why'd you go to Raleigh first? Well, I was going in. Car dealership? Going to school. No, I was oh. going to school. What'd you do? And, well, in, what'd you go to school for? <laughs> I was uh, a, a 
work study deal with Westinghouse. I'm I'm actually a tool and die maker. You didn't know that, did you? Uh-uh. And I, I need a couple more. You did years. what? <laughs> well, yeah. What? What? Tell us about this. What? <laughs> a tool and die maker. You you know it's an en- kind of a engineering deal, and you design and make special tools. And I needed a couple more years to uh, get my engineering degree, but I I was pedaling cars and working in a service station while I was going to school, and I I thought I could make more money selling cars and I was, well I started working on them I had a I think I told you Dale I have a th- I have a $300 uh, Opal story I was working in a station and and one of the professors said hey I uh, I, I need you to tune my Jag and I, said, I did and so a wholesaler comes along and he says I got this this Opal I need to put a clutch in it I said I haven't got time I gotta go to school he said well, I'll take $300 for it so I borrowed the money from the guy that owned the service station and then the guy that owned the Jag came back and said, hey, I'm looking for a car for my wife. And I said, well, I got this Opal, and it's got an $800 loan value. And I thought he'd give me eight or 900 He said, well, I'll give you 1200 for it. And I said, okay, I need to quit working on it and start selling. <laughs> <laughs> this was a professor? Yeah. So, the, so, so basically what I'm hearing is that the professor basically talked you out of school. No, he didn't. At, no, no. In a way, he <laughs> okay, did. Well, he cut you a, <laughs> like the deal in itself made you realize that yeah. you can make money in other ways. Yes. <laughs> from a professor, basically. He has no idea he had that type of influence on you. I hadn't called him either to tell him about it either. <laughs> T- call him and tell him it's worked out fine. It's worked Thank out okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he might want some compensation for that. Um, so you said in 1977, Robert reached out. You had the City Chevrolet store and on Independence. Independence. Same place as always been. Same place. The same City Chevrolet that was on the days car in Days of Thunder that everybody knows very well. So, in 77, I've seen pictures of this car. My granddaddy, Robert G., had a dirt car, orange and white, blue 17 on it. And Dad had drove this car. Um, Darrell Waltrip raced this car in Snowball Derby and other places. Uh, but at the time, I think Haywood Plyler was driving the car. Haywood was driving it. Mm-hmm. Around Metrolina and different racetracks. And so, I seen the city Chevrolet on the door of this car. I've got several pictures of it. And so, you... Uh, Robert comes to you. you go, what do you, where you go down to the dealership or something? And show up in your office or what? Well, there was a guy that we both knew, C.N. Taylor, and he called me and he said, "Robert, Robert wants to see you." So, you know, we we talked on the phone first, yeah. and then I went over to his house ah, and next so, to the Speedway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, how'd that conversation go? He just it was just old friends, and uh, I was intrigued. What you what did you give him? I gave him a little money and some parts. Parts? <laughs> yeah. Made him in parts. <laughs> How much money? And I don't remember. A couple hundred it wasn't, bucks. It wasn't or, a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he put it on the, and that was it. One that time it. deal. No, no, we 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 continued to help. He'd him. call you up and he'd come over with some parts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell me. I think there was a truck involved. Too. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting the real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a truck involved. But uh, and then, <laughs> then I guess. Uh, he he and talked me into the the bush car. Right. So and that my, was in my first race as partners with him. The first race, your dad won Charlotte. In Charlotte. First you got race. pictures of that. I thought this stuff's easy, man. You know? <laughs> so that was in nineteen eighty two, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe eighty three. Eighty two, eighty three. Eighty three, I think. So so filling the gap between 77 and 83 y'all just running he, he's just running that dirt car with city on the side of it and yeah and i'm and i'm racing i'm racing boats ah oh yeah. that's right so all right 
So I, what's the boat racing all about? Yeah, Why did you want to race boats? Tri- well, I grew up on a lake, and I always liked fast boats. So I got into I got into drag boat racing at first with jet boats, and then with hydros, and I went from 100 to 170, and I had a boat that held the world's record at 222. I didn't drive it, but Jimmy Wright in Richmond drove it, and he was killed in the boat. Mm. And so when he was killed, I just stopped, and I took I was storing the boats over at Harry Hyde shop, and and you know uh, we were trying to find a sponsor, and Max Mulliman uh, was trying to help That's me a with that. Your name. Yeah, he. He worked on the PSLs and NFL. He's a great sports guy. And so he was trying to find a sponsor for the boats. And he called me one day and he said, uh, how would you like to be partners with, you know, C.K. Spurlock, Kenny Rogers, and have Richard Petty drive the car? And I thought, uh, what's what, this is a trick question? And Because uh, I knew Harry was there doing nothing. And so we we kind of put a deal together. The night that Richard got caught with the big motor, Charlotte, Charlotte. I was sitting in the in the garage area with Harry Hyde, and we and Richard comes over to the car, and Harry says, "What's the matter, Richard?" He said, "Well, my motor's checking a little big," <laughs> and so uh, and Harry said, "Well, it'll be okay as soon as it cools off." And Richard said, "You can take that one to Alaska. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna check." <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of the start of, of, and he, I was in uh, Germany for a Mercedes trip. Yeah, and he he backed out. Richard backed out. Richard backed out. Yeah, dang. And so Richard backs out of this potential race team to to drive for you. And how? So what did you? What was what was the next decision for you? You you had an opportunity. You had an out, but you st- you stayed in there. Well, I was already building cars. Really? Yeah. And I mean, and I think we had five people. Now, you're talking about how cheap you can start a team. I was renting the transmissions and the gears. I was renting the equipment in the shop and renting the shop. Man. So I started with not a lot, but I thought that we will have STP with Richard. So we were mm. too far along and to turn and, back. To turn back. All right. So wow. you, I heard a story. All right, so there's a picture of you and Dad standing in the garage yep. at Charlotte Murray Speedway. Dad's in this plain blue uniform. Wrangler. But it doesn't have Wrangler on it. It's just blue. Okay. But it would have probably been a Wrangler uniform. I don't know why it didn't have anything on it, <clears throat> but you're standing there with him. And he was testing your cup car. Yeah. So how did that happen? You call him up and say, hey, I got a cup car. I need some laps. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, drive knew, it. I knew him through Robert. All right. Okay. Yeah, because he drove your yeah. sportsman car, won yeah. the race. Yeah. So when he wins a sportsman race, do you are you you're like, hey man, what's your deal? You got a deal? No. How did how did you yeah. get him over? Because <laughs> he's kind of in between rides, yeah. not sure exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. He isn't with Richard Childers back. He's you know he's not back with Childers yet in '84. Um. <clears throat> so how did what is he testing your car for? Well, we just asked him to come over and shake the car down, and so we started talking. And of course, I wanted him to drive the car, and uh, you know, but it's a startup team. Yeah, you know, no history, no nothing. Right. But uh, at least we had a relationship. Sure. And if you see the picture, I, he drove the car, then I drove the car in a suit with a white shirt and his helmet. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I've got pictures of that too. I need those pictures. Okay, because that, that I've not seen that one. Okay. So you got in the car and drove it. Yeah. How fast were you? I don't. 
A little bit faster than your dad. Bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the story goes, right? That's it. Yeah. Golly. I'm yeah. going to stick with it, too. <laughs> so, so you were you were trying to recruit him. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Oh, like, yeah. You, you, you didn't well, – what, what would you say your chances were at that? Like, zero. Zero. But, but you, you, were, but you a, were going to try. But you I'm a car go. salesman. I mean, I've got to try, right? Yeah. I love that about you. There's been deals that you've made over the years, and even as recently, I remember when I was on the phone with you and Dale was out with a concussion, and you called and said that Jeff Gordon was going to replace him uh, for a few races. And I'm like, how did you do that? And Mr. H <laughs> says, because I'm a hell of a car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, though. But, so, yeah, go ahead. All right, so is it? I heard a rumor that you reached out to – so in a – in the beginnings of your cup team, when you're trying to build it and get guys, I heard that you'd reached out to Larry Pearson, and David Pearson shut it down. Did you ever reach out to Larry to drive your car? I didn't. Maybe yeah. Harry did, but I didn't. Gotcha. No. What What hmm. other drivers have you tried to hire or wanted to hire? Uh, what What kind of deals maybe that we don't know about that almost <laughs> came together? Or? No. Well, I'm, I've got to I've got to think now. Yeah. You know, we, we're we're talking to Tim Richmond, and he. Didn't want to go. He put it off, giving me an answer, and then I hired Bodine. Uh, so you were talking to Tim first. I was talking to Tim, yeah, yeah. first, and he wouldn't commit. He, he wouldn't commit. He what was, was. What was he doing? I don't even remember. He was probably with the with Raymond, Max. I think. Yeah. Yep. So I, the way it happened is, I said, Tim, I've got to, got to have an answer. So Bodine came in, and he was sitting in my office, and I said, Well, I, this was like ten o'clock. And uh, I said, I can't do anything because Tim's got a, got a contract in his hand, and I've given him to 3 o'clock. And Jeff said, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. Yeah, <laughs> so, I would have too. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, 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 I want you because if you want to drive it, I want a guy that wants to drive it. What was your sales pitch back then? What was your go-to point that you were trying to talk these guys into coming to race for you? What, what, what was it? Why should they go to race for you back then? You know, I, I, I don't really know other than – I told them I was committed, and I'd raced. I grew up racing uh, modifieds with my dad and Ray Hendrick, and working on cars. I had drivers in drag racing, and not many drag racing guys have gotten into cup racing done very well. But I, I knew that I probably could hire, or try to hire the right folks. But we started with five people, and Bodine, I owe Jeff Bodine a lot because he took a chance, mm. uh, and. And, you know, we kind of established ourselves. We won three races that year. But if we hadn't, we were actually we were going to close the shop after the sixth race in Darlington, I think it was. We wrecked, and I said, Harry, I can't go any further, don't have a sponsor, and I can't put my businesses in jeopardy. And so let's run one more race. Let's, and as Harry said, uh, Bodine's good at Martinsville. He went up there and. And, and won the race. What was the car, what was the sponsor on the car? Northwestern Northwest Security Life. What is that? That's an insurance company. Oh, and I so did, I did business with them in the automobile business. Yeah. So um, <laughs> why, why are you chuckling? Well, because all his a lot of his deals are, are are you know he's very good at business to business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which is critical to, to in today's market. Oh yeah, trying to you know your your sponsor giving them real value. Um, so how much money were you spending a race back then? You wanted to sh- – you was going to shut the team down. Well, I, I think or you, we ran the whole year in 1984 for $800,000. Yeah, and that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot. Holy a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had but I had five five people. Yeah. 
and Harry was making five hundred dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Was he happy with that? That's what he asked for. Really? He wanted to raise. How did that you back. get Harry Hyde to settle down? Because that guy was like suitcase Jake almost. He was moving <laughs> around from team to team. Of course, he did stay with a seventy seventy one car for a while in the seventies, but he was kind of cantankerous, right? Yeah. Um, how did you? How did you? How did you and him get along? And how, I know he didn't quite get along with Bodine in the end. He ended up going and working with Tim, which that was a great marriage. But yeah, what made Harry Hyde happy? I think. Uh, when he finally got Tim, you know, he was – Tim was had so much talent. So did Jeff, but they, they kind of locked horns. and so Personalities? I, yeah. And How so, bad did it get? Like what was – Oh, it got real bad. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it got – so we were like halfway through the season, and I had, and I had already hired Tim mm-hmm. to run the second car. So I told Harry and Jeff, I said, okay, we got to get through the year. We've got sponsors. So you guys need to get along. You can do it. So I got all the team together. And I said, and, and, and Jeff said, well, Harry, uh, I'm going to do my best. We're going to get along the rest of the year. And so Harry said, Bodine, you're a prick and a prima donna, but I, <laughs> but I love Rick Hendrick more than I hate you, so I'm going to try to do it. And I said, whoa, Harry, wait a minute. Let's go outside. we got to start all over again. <laughs> that's, not, that, that's not the good first step we're doing into no, salvaging this relationship. That really wasn't after an hour of me, <laughs> you know, trying to sell the team and say, hey, we we got so much to look forward to. Uh, you know, we can, you know, just we just got to hold it together. And, I mean, I'd spent a good hour. You know, thought you had him putting the love on him, and you know, <laughs> I, I could just see Mr. H at the time when he goes, "You're a prick and a prima donna," and Mr. H is going, Ugh. "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, like the the things that these drivers and crew chiefs put you through over the years, it's amazing you even come out. I mean, this, this is one good it's example. Torture. It's torture. It's really torture. <laughs> you're a counselor. You're a therapist for everybody. You exactly, know that, right? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> right around this particular time in NASCAR, that Dad and Jeff were running over each other. Every oh week. yeah. How did that? I mean, how did that not <laughs> become worse than it was? Like it, it's, I've watched races, even recently, and where Dad would wreck Bodine, and they put you on camera, and you're like, "What? We got to figure this out. These guys got to figure this out. Can't keep tearing race cars up." And then, if you think about, a lot of people look at Days of Thunder. And there's a particular part in the movie where they're tearing up the rental cars and uh, Bill France brings the drivers in to have a conversation with them in his office and all that. That was sort of taken out a little bit out of context. But from that story of dad and and Jeff when they were running over each other. Now, they didn't tear up rental cars. They actually had to ride in a car together. Right. That's right. Who made that? Like so NASCAR Bill France said, y'all going to straighten this out. You're coming to Daytona. We went to Daytona. And. You're gonna ride in the car together. He made. Well, who did that? Well, we were we were having a meeting, and it was a short meeting in his office in in France. What did he office. say? He said, uh, "He said, boys, uh, who's in the room? It's Richard Childress and me, and your dad and and Jeff Bodine, mm-hmm. and uh, so and Bill France. And he says, I've got videos here, and we can look at tapes, but you two monkeys are not gonna." <laughs> bank my show yeah and he said so here's the deal if uh he, he looked around the table he said now rick you can go back and sell cars uh richard richard you can 
I don't know, you can go back to doing whatever. <laughs> and he said, uh, and he told, uh, he told Jeff he could go back up north. And he told your dad, he said, I don't know what you can do to make a living, but, you know, if y'all going to be in this sport, this is what's going to happen. And so uh, he said, now we're going to go eat. And so your dad said, he said, I can't, I've got plans. And Bill France said, there's a phone, change your plans. Ooh. Dang. So, and then, uh, <laughs> so he said, now, Richard, you and Rick ride together with me, and, and Jeff, you and Dale ride together. And, we, and they didn't wreck that was yeah yeah did that, they protest did they did no they... nobody you you knew when you walked in there uh, you didn't have any options and you didn't get to speak well Dale was real tried to get out of it he, well, he tried to get out of it with his other plans but he that got shut that, down that shut down real he wasn't going to protest though riding together with Jeff <laughs> no he didn't I mean he I think he I think he could tell and the situation was getting kind of edgy yeah and so <laughs> did, did you or RC go Ask the drivers, how did that go? I mean, did y'all talk? I mean, like, what happened? Did you and day? Richard ever get together before that? Like, hey, how do we sort these guys out? No, we'd look at each other when it would happen and say, hey, we weren't, yeah. you know, we weren't driving a car. Really? Know? And because, uh, you know, both of us would get upset. And uh, yeah. And I told I told Jeff Bodine one time, I said, listen, you don't pick up a snake and shake him by his tail and let him go. If you're going to, you know, you go rub on him, then he's going to wreck you. So why don't you just quit but they just couldn't couldn't do it but the bill said okay the next race if you guys even get close to each other i'm gonna have to park the cars and come down out of the tower and inspect them because something must be wrong with them mm. and, and, and if and it might be the end of the race because i don't know if i can get across the track oh I mean, it was wow. it was it was pretty cold that's a threat oh that's a big threat well it, you know he didn't he had he had had enough yeah it was getting out of control. It was getting out of control. They were wrecking each other in Xfinity races and each other's <laughs> cars and, and granddaddy's cars. Yeah. Um, so Dad and Jeff got along. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the car ride thing worked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, I, I would have thought they'd come to blows inside the rental car, but I guess not. So you talked about driving uh, the car to test with Dad, but you actually ran in some cup races. Yeah. When I think when Tim was sick, you got in the car at Riverside. Right. Yeah. Did you ran more than one. I ran two. I ran. Uh, Where else did I you ran go? a bush race and. Uh, Where'd you run a bush race at? In uh, uh, Road Atlanta. You wouldn't dare go them ovals, would you? No. Why not? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. One day. Did you, was you did you think he was a good road racer? <laughs> oh, I, no. Well, I you was, ran. I in, was decent. Yeah, I you qualified ran, my guys. Didn't you run in the West? <laughs> yeah. West, West, uh, the Southwest Tour or something. Had the was leading by like three seconds. And they threw a caution, and a guy by the name of Ron, Ron Hornaday. He was on the show last week. Yeah. He spun you out. <laughs> yeah, and then I gave him a truck to get him in the racing one week. He, he told that story actually. Yeah, you you really kind of helped him out later in life. Yeah. He didn't talk about the time he wrecked you. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how they just forget those details. Uh, no, right? it is. He, he acts like he had amnesia. <laughs> Are you driving that car? I don't yeah. think you were driving that car. So you ran a Southwest Tour race at Riverside. You ran a cup race at Riverside. Were you nervous going into the cup car? You're in the big boys. Not, You're the owner. Like, not, the owners aren't supposed not, to suit not, up. Not really. I actually, I was. That, to me, is so interesting. <laughs> well, I qualified 13th, I think. Yeah. And then, and then uh, everybody pitted, and I stayed out, so I was leading. And then when they got ready to restart, there was 
all packed behind me, and I thought, I'm, I mean, oh, that's no. when I got nervous. Yeah. But I, I guess one of the things that I remember the most about that race is Richard Petty was right on me and went into turn nine, and uh, he got under me. But then when you come off a of nine, you go to the flag stand, it goes back to the left. Yeah. So if you're on the outside, if you don't give the guy room, you know, he's going in the dirt. So I didn't give Richard room. And I looked in the mirror, and he was doing donuts through the oh, parking no. lot. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't told him. I don't know if he remembers that or not. You want I mean, to, what, do you want to apologize to him for that? This is the time to do you it put right Richard, now. Richard, Richard, Richard Tilbert in the dirt. Richard, I'm sorry. I really am. There He's coming on the show here in a couple of weeks. He is. <laughs> we, we may or may not bring that up and yeah. see if he remembers. Well, <laughs> he and I have talked about what if he had you know, started racing with me, but uh, it just – STP and Curb Records, I think. Yeah. But I did, I did your one other story about your dad. So they used to give you a thousand dollars for the fastest time in Charlotte, in the Bush Series and the Cup Series. So I went over there in in your granddad's car, and uh, and and I put a seven fifty carburetor on it. And so Bobby Allison and and your dad and two or four other guys, and I won top time. <laughs> I, I was fastest so i'm feeling real good and i go out again and i go into turn one i look and all i could see was your dad's eyes and his i could see his face like it was and i pulled right over and came in <laughs> and he said he came in he, after that he came in over to me and he said what happened why'd you quit i said i'm not stupid <laughs> I, I was getting ready to get i was getting ready to get dumped good but you felt like it was coming huh i felt like it was coming yeah <laughs> They used, to, right. they used to give away cars, uh, give you a car if you won the pole, I think, at Charlotte. And I don't know if Tim was driving for you when this happened, but they'd give Tim the car for winning the pole. And the guys that own the guy, the promoters, like I guess Humpy and them, had been driving this car around for like four or five months and smoking in it and burning up the damn. <laughs> Got all kinds of burn marks in the interior and stuff. And Tim's like, I thought I was getting a brand new car. <laughs> He was so ticked off. <laughs> they they would award their they, car. They yeah. gave the him way. a used, basically a rental. It smelled <laughs> right. like a pack of Marlboros. Well, well Schrader, Schrader got a – his deal wasn't that good. So I told Schrader, I said, look, if you win the pole, I'll give you a truck. And so Schrader won the pole. And we had this four $500 truck, rusted <laughs> out, smoking, just a junker. And so we brought it over to the track and gave it to him. <laughs> And uh, that was that was fun. You remember? I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when we always cut up a lot with Schrader, yeah. So oh, yeah. I put a sign in the back window of the race car: "Driver wanted million dollar guarantee." And so Rusty Wallace and all the guys, <laughs> of course, it was kind of it was it was funny. Damn, that had to hurt his feelings a little bit. We were just cutting up. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like real serious. <laughs> it would hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. I mean, I you know, we, listen, we've had drivers in this seat, old drivers that have been talking about times their teams they felt like were, you know, wronging them or something. You know, Dave Marcus was talking about, you know, how he had to quit at, at a post race press conference, and they're sensitive. Yeah. You had, no, these yeah. guys are yeah. so sensitive, way more sensitive but, than we ever thought, right? But you don't understand. Trader was adopted by my mom and dad. And and he, for they, real, they loved him. No, oh, just not, not for, for real. real. Okay, not for right. Real, but, I thought we were getting they, breaking news no, here. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but they they absolutely loved him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we we cut up 
and played a lot. He was like so. a brother. He was like a brother. Yeah. So, so one race you ran in, I remember, was at Topeka, Kansas, ARCA race. Yeah. Um, I'd been with Schrader for the whole week. He's coming. Oh, on, I he's, remember that he's, one. Yeah. <laughs> he's coming on the show to tell Let's that story. Let's see if you're willing to go into details about this story. Uh, well, we're going to save it for the Schrader okay. interview. Yeah. yeah. But we will talk about uh, – af- I've been with Schrader for the whole week, running around in dirt races all over the country with him. And it culminated with this final race of the week in Topeka, Kansas, ARCA race. Dad's running, you're running. Aren't you running? Yep. And Trader and Daryl Waltrip. Yep. And so Dad showed up on race morning. Like, he's going to start in the back. Right. Uh, not qualify, not practice or nothing. And I was not feeling good because I'd been with Schrader for a week. I was sick as a dog. But <laughs> Rick comes up. I'm standing. I'm hanging out at this motor coach that uh, was kind of uh, home base for all the Schrader's bunch. And so I'm hanging out with him, and I haven't even seen Dad yet. And uh, but t- uh, Rick comes up and uh, says, "Hey, uh, I want you to sign. Let's sign. I want you to sign a lifetime contract." And I was like, "Yeah, no problem. Let's do it." <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he got you get he grabbed a napkin and wrote like a short little two sentence contract, and we both signed it. And we should have kept it. I wish I wish we had kept. It. Yeah. And he wanted to give, he wanted to take it and show it to dad. And did you ever show it to him? No, because your dad was so hot that morning when he got there because he heard the story. Because of what yeah. he had done. All he had, who told him all about that? I do. It wasn't me. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because I'm standing by the car when the, before the race started. Yeah. And he walks up to me. You know how he catch you by your collar like that when he's talking to you? Yeah. He pulled, he got real close to me and he said, I'm going to kill Schrader. And I said, I had nothing to do with it. He said, I'm going to kill him. And I thought, I'm about 10th, and he's in the back. How long is it going to take him <laughs> to get to me? Because I'm going to move over. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was it was, it was, it was was funny. I, he really was mad, huh? Yeah, I always he, thought he, he was, was sort of hot. messing with Schrader he, like no, you were. He was hot. I mean, he was mad. So him and Schrader didn't talk for uh, probably a year. year what? Ago. Yeah. He, he Over that? Coincidentally dumped Schrader at Pocono the next race, cup race they ran. Whoa. Yeah, as far as I remember. Um, I don't know who told him what went on, but somebody did. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that, I mean, we'll, we'll get Schrader to go in more detail, but basically <laughs> I just went and hung out with Schrader and did whatever his guys did. We drank beer, but I was only Ford, six, 16, Ford, I think. You, I think I drove my truck to the airport to get on okay. the plane. So I thought I, you were 14. I had to had my driver's license. Well, you couldn't go in a club. I remember that. I know that. I couldn't okay, go into right. particular clubs. Okay. But, but them old Kansas clubs. And so. I, wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't with them. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I that. sat out in the parking lot at the club and watched some guy sell guns out the trunk of his Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why Dale Earnhardt had such a big <laughs> we problem about this. Yeah. This is where he learned about the uh, but it was, know, uh, yeah. aftermarket he, gun sales. <laughs> I was so hungover that I hid from Dad. For several hours that morning, out on the pits, uh, yeah. out in the pits, this guy was, I was sitting in Schrader's pit, and this guy's gluing lug nuts on the tires, and I'm just sitting on one of them tires, and it's sun's out, and I'm feeling like crap. <laughs> and Dad walked up and looked down at me, and I looked up at him, and he didn't say a word, and I didn't say a word, and he just knew. I knew he knew, and he walked away. And 
I didn't think he'd be that upset about it. I think that he – I felt like, bam, you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, why are you he surprised? He went with Kenny Schrader. Schrader, right. Schrader wasn't a mystery to anybody. I, he honestly, knew what you got. I honestly believe that Schrader had asked if Kelly could go on the trip, and Dad turned that down and said Dale Jr. should go. And <laughs> Kelly could Kelly go. Now, yeah. that would have been something. <laughs> and so Schrader's like, all right, fine. And, I mean, we ran, we went to like four or five – we went to a dirt track every night racing. It was amazing. And mm. they drank beer, and I drank beer with them. But anyhow – He bummed rides, didn't he? Didn't he get a ride with somebody after the race and a pickup to get him to the airport or something? He was – it was crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was a wild week, and that's just no. That was an average week for Schrader. I know, right? But it was the <laughs> funnest thing ever. If, I mean, was he more mad than what he would have been mad at Bodine? Like compare the two, I Schrader or Bodine? Who gets the the I, worst of it? You know, I don't. I don't. He that morning, <clears throat> I never saw Dale mad. Oh, with he whatever it was going on with them two happened on the track, mm. but this was. Before the race. This was family. This, yeah, this is personal. Was, this is personal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew the difference between kind of playing upset and upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll get back to Mr. H in just a second. But first, let's tell you a little bit about Dell Jr.'s past. And I mean your real past, Dell Jr. <laughs> Way back. Let's talk about ancestry and my own ancestry. Before Kannapolis and Mooresville, North Carolina, the Earnhardt family made its way to North America, traveling from Germany through Philadelphia. Then they migrated down to Salisbury, North Carolina, and, and here we are. I'm, I've done my own genealogy, discovering all this information uh, myself, and I'm excited to tell you all about Ancestry. Yeah, I'm a happy, happy, happy customer. Uh, they've uh, you know, provided such a great service for people like me to learn more about their family. Without Ancestry.com, I don't think I could learn much beyond Ralph Earnhardt, who is my grandfather. I've been able to go back not only to uh, my great-grandfather, but almost 10 generations of Earnhardt's, as I said, uh, through Philadelphia and, and from Germany. I was able to detail the town that we lived in in Germany back in the 1700s and go visit That's amazing. that town and look at records with my family's names handwritten into the books of the churches they worshipped at and so forth where they would keep those records. So pretty incredible uh, experience that I've been able to have all because one day... I signed up for an account on Ancestry.com. That simple, simple choice I had no idea was going to take me on such an incredible journey. With Ancestry, you can trace your ancestors' journey over time following how and why they moved from place to place. They've combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records to give you more insight into your genealogy and origins. And to amplify your results, you can start a free trial on Ancestry and build a tree so your ancestors become more than just a name. Building that tree makes it all come to life, and when you link that DNA information, it really becomes three-dimensional. Yeah. Go to Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. today for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. That's Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. So one of the funnest parts, uh, one of the funnest things that I like to talk about when is the uh, our first meeting at yeah. HMS. He likes this one. I love um, this one. Yeah. This is so good. I'm going to let you tell it, and I'll see if you tell and it And then correctly. you fix we've it. Talked you about fix it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about it on this show before, and, and people were surprised, but 
I had, and you might not know everything, all of it, but you probably do. But we went to, we had went to Joe Gibbs. We met with Joe and the owner of the Redskins, Snyder, at his house, right? Yeah. And the con- they showed us a contract. And I'd been making, I think I, my salary was 600000 or something at DEI. I can't remember. It might have been twice that. But it wasn't, it was comparable to most drivers. It was in in the lower end. So I was, but I thought that was a lot, you know, I'm like, man, you know, this is great. And then when I went and seen this contract that Joe handed to me and Kelly, uh, it like short circuited my brain. Like I <laughs> couldn't believe somebody was wanting to pay me this kind of money. Right. Yeah. And so when I went to meet with you, my heart was, my heart was to drive for Rick. HMS to me all these years had been this perfect, you know, opportunity and this best team and they just one and one and one and one and uh they had a really amazing reputation plus the family connection i had i was i I had been racing for family for all these years and that's such a security blanket yeah and i was like man i kind of have that same security blanket if i go drive for rick he's like family he'll take care of me um give me the benefit of the doubt and and uh anyways we go to the meeting and and he's got that paper and he slid that thing across the table, and I was like, uh-uh, I ain't looking at that. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to know what it says. And You really said that to him? I don't want to see that what that says? Oh, yeah. or did, he said it. And I said, well, okay, don't look at it. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, it was pretty, it was, it was actually, it was, it was, everybody was a little nervous, you know, and, and I really wanted to drive the car. And uh, Ricky had told me, my son, <clears throat> he's going to drive for us one day. So I never thought it would happen. And so I, I had labored over this contract for like with Marshall for like weeks before oh. I was going to show it to him, you know. And so, so we go in the room and sit down, and and I said, well, here's here, Dale, here's here's what we can do for you. And he said, I don't care about that. And I thought, give it, no, okay, <laughs> let me have it back. Don't look at it. <laughs> but he said. <clears throat> But then it was kind of funny because Marshall was in with us, and Marshall was kind of he, he was kind of uptight, and so Dale, we were talking about it. Dale said, "All right, I thought we had it. We, we were all done." He said, "I have, I have a couple things that I want." And I'm thinking, "Oh, here we go. This is going to be big. This is going to be real big." And he said, "I want the skirts on the car painted the same color as the car." And I was took me about a second to say, "What?" <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> and it still blows my mind. That, 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 okay, and I think the helicopter. You wanted the helicopter for a couple of races to Martinsville, yeah, Darlington, maybe I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I need, I want a helicopter ride to Martinsville. <laughs> Unlike any negotiation uh, you never, have ever I mean, had, ever, never, ever. I mean, don't care about the money. Don't care about that. Yeah, and and. Uh, Somebody had to eventually look at I, that paper, though. But, yeah, well, he, I told – I said, you and Kelly sort that out. Yeah. Whatever y'all agree to. I'd already had more money <clears throat> than I knew what to do with. So, like, I money wasn't – money didn't motivate me and make make me happy. You know, what made me happy was how my car looked. Side skirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if a- the side skirts aren't painted, that ruins the entire car. <laughs> and <laughs> I drive the car. I want the dang thing to look good. Uh, and then and then I we, never understood drivers we, that don't care about what their car looks like. Oh, we had two sponsors hooked up 
And uh, so we were in a meeting with them, and, and we go through everything with them, all the big stuff, the numbers and everything. And he said, uh, oh, there's one more thing we got to have. Dale's got to design the car. <laughs> they said, what? No, we can't. I said, that's the deal. <laughs> Dale's got to design the car. Yeah, that's, that's a deal breaker. Yep. And I'm sitting there. We're looking at all this money, and we're going to blow it over. He's going to design the car. <laughs> Yeah, but you did, and it looked good. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I look back at I. I remember sending him the paint schemes, and it felt frivolous. Like sending Rick the ideas that I had. Right. I'm like, hey, Rick. uh, You know, I want to be involved, and I want to send you some of these, and you can show them to whoever. And I felt it felt frivolous because it it was. I mean, like petty. It felt petty. Like like he doesn't have something else in his life going on at the moment. He's got to sit there and mess around with paint schemes. That was the most important thing. Well, in my in my life, that was at the top near the top of the priority list. Had you had problems with side skirts? I mean, did you ever get your opinion uh, uh, sought out at DEI? Where did you get burned on this? We had black side skirts, and then I think the last few races we might have started painting them red. Okay. So, you know, if, if you really need to know, the first time I ever saw this done really well was when Rusty Wallace started his Xfinity team. He had uh, a bright yellow and black number 66 car, and I think Hank Parker's brother, Catfish, drove the car. Billy, yeah. Billy Parker. But, uh, and then eventually uh, uh, Rusty's son drove it. But this car had these side skirts painted on it, and it was freaking beautiful. And it looked like it was so low to the ground compared to other cars without side skirts. I said, I'm hooked. Mm. Never, uh, for the rest of my life, I'm going for painted side skirts. So, but, so, well, go ahead. Finish your Well, thoughts. I was just saying, like, to, I, I was going, I'm the one out there driving the car. I felt like, God, that's kind of a good thing that that the driver cares what the car looks like, or and it's a motivation. Like if you like the way the car looks, you're going to want to take that car and do something good with it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I never understood drivers that don't have an opinion or a, a care, I guess, about what the car looks like. You know, that to me, the, the design and the beauty of the car, like trying to win best appearing car and trying to have good craftsmanship <laughs> and trying to build a pretty race car from the inside out has always been something that was important to me. Um, well, you know, J- Jimmy did that. Yeah, my Uncle Robert. Yeah, with uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Oh, Jimmy Johnson on, did on that. The with the Ally deal. car, yeah. yeah. He sent me. Well, he sent you. Were, he you worked with him on Well, that. I just gave him my opinion, but if you call a couple text messages back and forth working with him. But he sent me his – he's like, hey, man, I'm going to help design this car. What do you think about X, Y, and Z? And I was like, this is what I would do, but maybe I rubbed off on this big-time, yeah. seven-time hey, champion. Listen, you know, we learned from Kozlowski a few <laughs> weeks ago that uh, that uh, Mr. Penske is deeply involved in the paint yeah. schemes and the looks. And we he didn't checks know off drivers, all the paint schemes. How like, about that? Yeah. yeah. Did you know that? I, I, I did know that. So, so I heard that. The question is, is – I'm not so quirky after all. Right. Well, so how – how much do paint schemes and the look of your race cars actually matter to you? It matters a lot. I like for the cars to look good. Yeah. And there's some paint schemes I haven't liked, but uh, usually between the driver and the and the sponsor, that's what they want. So so you yeah. don't typically get involved. Have you ever just absolutely killed a, a paint scheme idea saying that will never be on my yes. race car? You yep. have. I have. What was it? I'm not going to say. <laughs> do it. I wasn't going to no. ask, but I knew he would. <laughs> I knew he would. Nope, nope. Not going to happen. Was it recent? No. Was it Dale? No. <laughs> Why can't you say if it was so long ago? <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going. You don't to. have to say, just nod. 
No, all right, just just go start, start going to drivers. <laughs> well, I do know. I came up with a paint scheme for the forty-eight, <clears throat> the new one. You did? No, no. I came up with one, and they killed it. Jimmy <laughs> killed it. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> he said that's too old-fashioned. That, oh that's man, that's too conservative. Really? And that's when you two were bouncing back for yeah. it. Yeah. So um, I actually liked the one they came up with. Yeah, I think it's a good-looking car. The, the Ally looks good on the hood. Yeah. Um, what was the conversation like when you sat down with Latart and told him that he was going to be my crew chief? Um, Did you sit down with him? Yes. Or, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I he t- thought he was getting fired. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's what he says. Well, yeah. he thought yeah. he was getting let go. Oh. Yeah. So I guess he, he, because if you go back to that particular point in time in that career, yeah. in my career, in his career, when he starts to tell the story, I'm thinking that he's going to say that. When he heard the news that he was going to be my crew chief, he was just going to be a little disappointed. Like, oh man, you know, I'm going from Jeff Gordon to Dale Jr. and Dale's been struggling. This is this is going to be a hard, tough hill. But he was actually relieved because yeah. he thought he was going in there to get <laughs> let go because he, he and Jeff yeah. hadn't done so well. But I I, lo- I I just felt like he would be exactly what you needed. Yeah, and uh, boy and, was he. And and so I mean, the, I think the day after. I told him he flew up to your house. Oh, he yeah. drove up to your house yeah. and spent the day with you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, this is, uh, you're, you're amazing. Steve Latart's amazing too. And like you said, he, when he heard that news, he went home and thought about it. And the next day called me and said, let's get together. You know about this deal. We're going to work together. We're going to do it together. Cause he felt like that it was sort of his last, uh, opportunity too because he had kind of failed and or this thing that he and jeff had going on at ground to a halt and he looked at me and he kind of said this is our this is both of our final shot you know we're gonna have to work hard and make it work i said you tell me what you want me to do <laughs> and i'll do it you okay. sort of felt like you were at the uh I was at the of, end. Out of options yeah. as well so rick had delayed and delayed and delayed like you're sitting across the table and i don't want to put you in an uncomfortable situation but I felt like that I had gotten a lot more leeway than a lot of guys would have in that situation. Uh, it, we had struggled. We had failed week after week, year after year. And I, I was like, man, you know, I don't know how much further Rick can go with this, the way it's going. Um, I don't know where the sponsors are mentally over it all. So I felt like, yeah, when – and we had – you know, we changed – things we'd change crew chiefs we'd change people we'd move things around but this was a big shift uh moving me from one shop to the other uh with an entirely new group of people and i thought i thought yeah this has to work or this is this will be the this will be the end <laughs> but it ended up working out how close was he uh, in his assumptions of the, of the situation was he was he sort of out of options <laughs> no no we just i I believe, you know, we're all in the people business. And I don't care what kind of business you're in, it's got to be, it's got to mesh, it's got to fit. And you got to get that right combination. And I could I could see it and feel it. It wasn't right. And I felt like Stevie could do it. And Dale told me a couple of times that that shop was never as good as the 48 shop, 2448. So I knew I had to get it in his head that he was going to be in that shop with that team. And uh, and Stevie was already there, and so it, it just worked out. Yeah. And uh, no, but it I never 
I never thought about this as the end of it. I I thought about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let him fail. You know, I'm gonna we're gonna keep going, changing till we get it right. Is it because there was a confidence issue going? On? I mean, I mean, he pretty much had lost his confidence as a race car driver, right? I mean, it, it was building him back up to where he, you know, he used to feel like he was the best driver on the racetrack. When you don't feel like that, you've lost an edge. You're, you've lost several tenths, right? Yeah. Well, we 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 didn't give him what he needed, and uh, and we just again the the, the combination wasn't there, but. Uh, because we started off with a bang. We'd go down to yeah. Daytona. And like won everything we went. I remember we went to Vegas to test, and we were fast. And uh, all the cars were fast. All of us were. But we were – me and Tony Jr. were really good. And Jeff came over and said, dang. He's like, you're impressive. And I thought, dang, this is awesome. Like, it's working. <laughs> and then we went to Daytona and won the shootout, won the qualifying race. And, uh, you know – we had a great season all the way. I mean, we weren't winning races, but we were running first and second in the points. You were running with, up in the points. Yeah, yeah. me and yeah. Kyle Bush were first and second. They were right together. And uh, and then he dumped then, you at Richmond. Yeah, but then we yeah. went on and won at uh, Michigan, and we had a pretty solid year. Didn't finish yeah. out in the, in the playoffs very well or whatever. But started out great. Yeah. And then it kind of went off the rails. Yeah, why? Why did it go off the rails? The Me and Tony Jr. were getting pretty – hard on each other especially on the radio and i think so for me and tony jr that was kind of normal we did that all the time back in the bud days but when rick and them heard it they were like dang this is bad (laughs) these guys well i want i want i won the i don't know i think i don't know who won the race but we one of my cars won the race and here comes the media and i thought they wanted to talk about the race that we just won not they were going to talk about Dale and Tony Jr. going at it on the radio. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember all of it, but uh, it was just the, it was so much focus on you, and everybody was expecting, you know, a lot. Yeah, DW and, said and, and they were going to win six races the first year. Oh, yeah. And and everybody was listening to everything y'all said. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. I know. A lot yeah. of pressure on all of us. For sure. Um. One of the worst – you you're always doing a lot of great deals, but I think one of the worst deals you ever done was swapping that helmet for that race car after Homestead. I do think you got the short end of the stick Why did there? you do that? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So he calls me up and he says, hey, I got a question. He's like, after the race at Homestead, I want, uh, want the helmet. And I said, great, because I've been thinking about that car. He goes, <laughs> he goes, that's a deal. And I was like, dang, that was easier than I thought. Well, I – I thought you deserved it, and uh, and you know I, I'm I'm happy with the deal. I yeah. got the helmet. You got the car. <laughs> so you collect helmets, but also you collect a lot of guitars. Yeah. What's about what's the deal on the guitar collection? How many you got? And you're all all autographed, right? By yeah. different. I got over two hundred now. Jeez. Mm. Yeah. Why? What? What? Like what? Do you just take a good? It's well, autographed by any singer, or is it no, particular? No, are you particular? No. no, no I, I love music, yeah, and I can't sing or can't play, right? <laughs> but in '84, our race in Nashville, we won. Chet Atkins gave me a special edition guitar, yeah, and then and that was the beginning and, of it. And then Tim Richmond was friends with Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. and so I'd go to the concerts with him, and he gave me a guitar. So that's how it kind of started, yeah. And then we won Richmond with the the rock and roll. 400 and that was a beautiful guitar Dang. 
And so, and then through the car collection, guys, you know, entertainers started coming. And now it's amazing the people that have actually played there yeah. inside the building, you know. Do you have a Huey Lewis in the news guitar? I do. Because Tim and Huey Lewis were pals. Yeah. I was listening to Huey Lewis this morning. Was you? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing Under, you said that. Yeah, underrated. Very I, good. I, wish he, uh, I wish he was still touring. He can't. Something happened to his voice. Yeah. Where is the next batch of cup owners coming from? You guys, you know, you and Penske and all those guys been owning cars for a long time. Where's the next group coming from? You know, I don't know. I think it could be uh, – I, I think with the, what they're getting ready to do with the new car, it, it might bring more people in. Yeah. And um, you, you just never know. I mean, you think that somebody like maybe some of the drivers – uh, like um, Brad or some of those guys, yeah. at some point may decide they want to own a team. Yeah. What happens to Gibbs, Penske, Hendrick when you guys are gone? How do those? How do you position that company and who you know to you, to continue? Well, in our situation, we've got um, my son-in-law as president, but also Jeff Gordon as a partner, so he'll be there to take yeah. care of it. And you and him <clears> have <throat> talked about that. Yep. You're like. I don't care what you want to do. You're doing this. <laughs> if he wants to turn it into a boat racing operation. <laughs> if we get him to come to work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you think that uh, – the, the, why, why do you think the new car would create opportunities for new owners? Well, I think it, they're, it's going to take uh, – it's, it's kind of a it's, – it's, it's a car that you're going to buy all the pieces from someone else. Yeah. You don't need the engineering to build the chassis. Somebody's going to build the chassis. So no – no 15 or 20 or 30 different chassis out there and uh the bodies are going to be a flange fit body and uh the components will all be uh affordable numbered if if it does what they say it'll do and you can run in multiple races how many automotive stores have you opened up with drivers you got one with me one with jeff and jimmy Mm -hmm. terry labani terry labani who else that's it. Do you, do you, have you opened up stores with anybody else that would be? Oh, correct? Boris said. Boris said. Boris. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Boris. You and Boris are pals? Yeah. Yeah. He came to you with an opportunity or now, what? The difference between Boris and all you other guys. He never drove for you. He, he works. <laughs> he, he, he's he does there. work he's, hard. He's, I, I went out there one day, and he's breaking down tires Dang. on a tire machine. So, so you, you, you're saying that Dale Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Chevrolet uh, down in Tallahassee, he's not he's not breaking down tires and he's not. Uh, yeah, he does go down and pump the guys I need up. To go down he there. does. And uh, it's been a while. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm due for a visit. You are due. Yeah. You, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go with you. You want to go together? Yep. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. What have you learned about eyeing talent in drivers since you started as an owner? How do you find talent? What do you look at? Well, you know, I, I just look at raw uh, ability and car control and um and then you know have people tell me hey you've watched this guy yeah have you watched that guy and uh and james finch was my talent scout right so you got some scouts yeah james told you about chase they did yeah he's watching chase down there in In the dirt at the derby Mm -hmm. in florida Mm -hmm. called you up said chase pretty good to look at him so i did and uh and there's a lot of guys that we've We'd Who told you about Jeff Gordon? I saw him. You did? Yeah. Where at? In Atlanta. Infinity? Mm-hmm. I was in Atlanta and just, I, I don't know why I was there on Saturday. And uh, and I was 
you know, that was one track that had a pedestrian tunnel. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through the tunnel, getting ready to go up in the suite because we had sponsors there both days. And I see him come down the straightaway and go in the corner, and I thought he'd, you know, blown a motor because the tires were – you could literally see the, the smoke off the tires. And so I said, well, watch this guy. He's going to crash. And so they said, well, that's, that's, that's that Gordon kid. And I'd watched him on that Thunder sprint car show. That deal, yeah. And so, and so I, I went – this is the weirdest thing. I went to motorsports. The next couple, I think it was Monday or Tuesday after the race, I walk into Jimmy Johnson's office, the guy that ran it, not the driver, Jimmy. Right. And, and Andy Graves was sitting in there. And I said, that's a shame that Gordon kid's got a contract with Ford. And Andy said, he don't have a contract. He had, he had one the next, <laughs> next day. <laughs> so, yeah. Dang. But took a chance with him because we had no sponsor, no nothing, and just – felt that strong about him you talked about how uh, tim was a little <clears throat> hesitant to like to sign the deal before jeff came how did you get tim to come drive for you well tim wanted to come yeah after the first year <clears throat> and so um he came and of course he and harry didn't get along the first nope. half of the season no the mood that days of thunder that story is true <clears throat> where they went test and then then they hit on it and man this second half of the season, I think he won uh, either set. Yeah, first or second. It. What, what yeah. did it take for Harry Hyde to like you then? You had to, you had to agree with Harry. You had to, well, you had to. He sounds like Tony Senior. Yeah, like if you didn't have any talent, he'd tell you to your face. Or, but Tim Richmond had talent. Or Jeff he, Bodine had Harry, talent. Harry was a better salesman than uh, Harry. Harry could manipulate things. And uh, so he was slick. He yeah. was smart. And uh, but Tim didn't care. I mean, t- I I remember at Riverside, Harry said, "Okay, this motor's fresh. This motor's got 50 laps. This one's got 25 more horsepower than this motor." Tim said, "I don't care what you put it with, whatever you want in the car." Yeah. You know, he didn't care. Sure. <clears throat> Is that a good comparison, Tony Senior, with Harry Hyde? I mean, because like we just people that didn't know him, I I just I love the stories about <clears throat> Harry. Well, and, and and I'm still trying to figure out like what exactly we've asked people that knew him on on this show like you know what was Harry Hyde really like? Well, I went over there where my boats were stored, and he had this trailer, a house trailer, uh, mobile home, and he had pictures all in it. And I'd go in and he he'd tell me stories. He was a storyteller, and he told me he said I could build a car today, go to Charlotte, and win the race, and I believed him. I mean that's how convincing he was. But he, but Harry was, uh, he built his stuff bulletproof. I mean, it was heavy, but he had helicopter uh, coolers for oil coolers, and and his stuff didn't break. Yeah, mm. you. Uh, when mm. I was a little boy back in 1987, I had a driver that I pulled for. I liked the underdog, and Jimmy Means was an underdog, and ran his own equipment and typically ran in the back half of the field. But when Tim was out of the car there in the middle of that season, you put Jimmy in the car. How did that all come about? He ran the one race at Charlotte for y'all. Yeah, and he qualified, didn't he? he was Fourth, on, yeah, I think. And he ran really well. Yeah, I think he got. It was a wreck early, yeah. big wreck. He got a bunch of cars. Yeah. Dad was yeah. in it. It was it was it was one of those deals that we just wanted to give him a chance. Yeah. Well, uh, what did he like? Just hey, 
We need a driver. Who do you want to give a chance to? <laughs> Jimmy Means. I just think we should give Jimmy. How did that happen? I you think, saw him do something. Well, Harry Harry thought he had really talent. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's cool. That's a hell of a compliment. And then Harry. somebody told us, hey, this, he's really struggling. Why don't you give him a chance? Yeah. <clears throat> I still give him parts and motors. Yes, you do. Yeah. For his Xfinity cars. Isn't that cool? You know, I've, that's a common denominator that we get a lot now that we've been talking to people in the sport a long time is that there's always a a, a Rick Hendrick helping me out story. Sure. There, there, it's really it's been happening. I think it's a, a testament to what you've done for people in the sport. And you've, got a, you've had a lot of people drive for you at yeah. this point. I don't know who it was, if it was Matthew or Dale, but listed all the drivers that have driven – for Hendrick Motorsports at some point in our notes, and I couldn't believe how, how, yeah. how many people that is. How many is it? Here, Jeff Bodine, Dick Brooks, Brett Bodine, Tim Richmond, Jim Fitzgerald, and yourself. <laughs> Jimmy Means, Benny Parsons, Darrell Walter, Rob Moroso, Ken Schrader, Bobby Hamilton, Tommy Kendall, Kyle Petty, Greg Sachs, Stan Barrett, Jimmy Horton, Ricky Rudd, Hutch Strickland, Cyril Vandermerv, <laughs> Jeff Gordon, Alan Jr., Terry Labonte, Jeff Purvis, Jack Sprague, Todd Bedine, Ricky Craven, Wally Dollenbach Jr., Randy LeJoy, Ron Hornaday Jr., Jerry Nadeau, Jimmy Johnson, Joe Nemechek, David Green, Brian Vickers, Kyle Bush, Casey Mears, me, Brad Keselowski, Mark Martin, Casey Kane, Regan Smith, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and William Byron. If, I, if, if, I, if my math is right, that's 45. <laughs> Golly, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't even remember. people. But, you know, back, back uh, I guess, in the – late 80s and 90s we decide that we want to run another car yeah and put somebody in it yeah. we do it a lot of times too rick in some of those scenarios there was some injuries uh dw had got hurt <laughs> at daytona and i think that's how cyril vandermeer merv i don't even know how, how you pronounce that cyril vandermeer he, he's probably one of the road racer. the greatest <laughs> rally drivers and he drove oh. the, he drove the gtp car yeah. and he could not be beat until the, if the car broke uh, but he was good. Yeah. So you and had, that was an extra car, I think. Yeah. Craven had some injuries that you had some guys fill in for. Terry had a few races he missed. Yeah. You did. Regan. I did. Regan. Yeah. Had, so I mean, a lot, you. a lot of those drivers are one-off races, but still pretty cool list. And I asked you all the time, and uh, we'll let you go after this. And then sometimes, remember, we did the movie Days of Thunder. Yeah. So we'd have to take like I ain't six, counting those six cars. You're not taking no. We didn't count Bobby those. Bobby Hamilton. And Bobby. Uh, well, yeah, Bobby's in there. But I thought, um, yeah, Bobby Hamilton's in this here list. I thought, oh gosh, Tommy Ellis also Tommy drove Ellis one of the movie did. cars there. Yep. He's yeah, not Bristol. In the, yeah, he's not in the list. Is that just Cup, by the way? Just Cup. okay, just Cup. Okay. Yep. So we missed one. Tommy Ellis, I guess. Somebody that's when they put that's put a three hundred. Three hundred thousand dollar camera in the rear bumper. Yeah, and I said, "You don't want to do that at they, Bristol." At Bristol, and they said, oh, well, "We got to have it." And I think fifth or sixth lap, somebody destroyed it. Destroyed it. <laughs> so you literally entered cars for, to the race for the movie. Yeah, yeah, had to. Yeah, that's amazing. There was a they two cars started at the back of the Daytona five hundred that year, and they were tasked to run just forty or so laps, and then they were going to pull in, but they were out there on the track just getting shots of them. So that, and that was that's what made the I think that's what made that movie so good is the ability to be able to have like real yeah. action. I real think footage. we went to Phoenix uh, and took yep. Bobby Hamilton in a in a black fifty one car. Yeah, uh, and he's I think he's had on a pole. Yeah. <laughs> Your movie? Yeah, yeah we were, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know? <laughs> that's hysterical. Yep. You know, speaking of Days of Thunder, uh, 
it blew our mind that Steve Letarte had never watched the movie, being that he's oh, such yeah. a Hendrick Motorsports guy for all those years. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And, that was the one flaw in, in, in his whole tenure at Hendrick Motorsports. <laughs> he had never seen Days of Thunder while he worked at it. I might have, he might have won a few more races had he I think so. watched that movie <laughs> and known the connection and the link. Yeah. It blew our mind because, I mean, it's that, that's basically the Hendrick Motorsports uh, you know, story uh even if it's fictitious in the movie, it's 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 uh, a lot of it, it's inspired by you, and uh, so as Dale Jr. can do, as only Dale Jr. can do, he guilted uh, Steve <laughs> on social media, and you know got Junior Nation behind it, forced him to watch the movie, and then he came on the show to give the review of it, yeah. and and he liked it, yeah, he liked it. So I know now you can rest easy knowing that uh, uh, Steve, you liked were friends with Tom Cruise, you still yeah. are today, still are. Yeah. Um, why did you get so heavily involved helping them make that movie? Because y'all had to help them. Prov- y'all provided a lot of race cars and equipment, and y'all were uh, advising and so forth. And I mean, did you worry about losing a lot of money there? Well, I the way that happened, I've been a little nervous. I didn't have any money. Well, I had I did spend a lot of time building cars and so right. forth, and I, we probably put too much effort in trying to help them. But Tom and I and Paul Newman drove together in the SCCA. Ah, Tom so, Cruise raced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. SCCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, going to be the odd history. Oh, is it? Oh, oh awesome! All right. all right, we're going to hear that. We got some yeah, odd we, history. yeah, and um, and and so one day we went to Daytona, and just testing, playing around, and Tom was driving the Bush car. Yeah, and he said, "You know, we need to make a movie about this." So next thing I knew, what? Yeah. Hey. And so then <laughs> then uh then Robert Town came to town and went up and talked to your dad and uh and and Robert and I are still friends. Who? Robert Town. Yeah. I'm so I was at the farm shop with Kelly when Tom Cruise walked in the door to sit with dad and him and dad went into dad's office for about an hour and just sat. And the rumor is that they tried to talk dad into playing Rowdy Burns through the bad guy. I don't know that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that. Oh, we were hoping he would. We need some that. facts here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rick, I was listening. All I was listening. All those drivers, and you've been around this sport for a long time. And I ask you this all the time: Why are you still doing it? Like you got all you could. You're you're old enough, successful enough. You got car dealerships just cranking along day after day. Why don't you go sit on a yacht somewhere and just goof off the rest of your life? Why? I, I, what makes a guy like you or Penske or you know, other guys similar to keep going. What's the motivation? For me, it's the people. It's the people at motorsports that have been there from the beginning and 35 years, um, you know, giving the guys their 20-year watches. And uh, you've built something uh, I didn't, but all the people together did that's special. And uh, we've kind of built it one brick at the time from 5,000 square feet and five employees to what it is today. So 500 employees. 600. 600. Yeah. God, you've gained 100 employees since I Just retired. that you were, yeah. <laughs> got that money back. You got that money back. You were able to invest it well, in 100 new employees. I have to pay him so much. <laughs> That's I right. I won't be able. Yeah. That's so yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. There was a reason he didn't want to look at that piece of paper. That was 100 employees worth of salaries on that paper. <laughs> and I look back at, like, meeting Chase when he was 14, meeting William up here when he was about 14. Yeah, and uh, seeing those guys come along, seeing the young guys become crew chiefs, uh, it, it's just it's been it's special. I mean, to me, it's it the reason to continue. Uh, 
is the people, mm-hmm. being around them, watching them, uh, not just exiting and you know something that's been special. Yeah, yeah. I I called him one time. Uh, I don't remember what was going on in the sport, but something was happening in the sport where everybody was uh, everybody was a little nervous. And I called him one time and told him to take a million dollars off my salary if he needed to. That's right. No, wait, nervous about? Just, there the, was some. The economy was. Economy, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, o, back in 2009, 2010. I'll say that's the only driver that ever I've been associated with in all my years that said, uh, hey, I want you to take a million off of my salary and give it to the guys in the shop. Mm. Don't have to cut anybody's pay. I'll I'll give up a million dollars. Nobody else ever. What pretty, was your response? Pretty amazing. <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, it just shows you. He was the, like, "You're no, you sure?" It shows you the character he is, <laughs> yeah. has. He was like, and, well, and his his relationship right? with people. <laughs> you feel all right? <laughs> he was like a little. He didn't know how to take it. But if those side skirts change, then that, that oh, deal oh, is oh, off. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I want my million dollars back. That's right. <laughs> That's so. I've always been just fascinated by y'all's the dynamics of y'all's relationships. I mean, you know, you told a story about, you know, the the actual deal and you know coming to work for Hendrick Motorsports, but you have so many more. I love the the story in the general's office. You know, oh my god, you know when we were up in Washington D.C. Oh golly, yeah, and that was a rough start. Well, but I guess that's my point is that you've always, at least to us, you've always sort of laughed off moments. None of the none of the uh, National Guard generals saw me. Well, tell them real quick what happened. How could they not see you? He was sitting on the couch. He was sitting on the couch, and they were (laughs) they were going through. You had a had a four star general, and you had a a bird colonel that was going through the the charts and the program for racing. And you started snoring. You just put your head down. And, uh, and, and, the, and the general said, that's enough of that crap. We don't yeah. want to talk about that. Oh. He was tired, too. Oh, Putting man. him to sleep. I was freaking out. I thought, this is it. <laughs> you One day on this show, you have to get Kelly. And you have to get her to tell the story about her not going because she had a stomach problem. Yeah. And you called her and said, hey, Kelly, where are you? And she said, I can't go. That was to to this deal, yeah. And uh, and you you said if I gotta go, you gotta go. And I'm listening to the other end of it. And all of a sudden, he said, "Hello, hello." hello. <laughs> 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 uh, I, oh, that's so funny. When when uh, when Rick when <laughs> when we sort of had agreed to the terms on the deal or whatever, signed the contract. Rick, I said, Rick, I said, I ain't I, now. You know, I ain't never tucking my shirt in. Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna be like you know the, the most of the drivers that you've hired and uh he goes all right yep sure you got it no problem well, i took shirt in we go to this deal to meet the generals and at the we're in washington dc yeah. washington dc you can see the washington monument yeah. out their window <laughs> right and he and i got my shirt tail tucked in and i've got on some nice pants and i'm walking into the building and I'm I'm just thinking in my mind like where's Rick and I turn around and Rick's behind me taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's and he a was moment. Like, I need to document this. Yeah, yeah, he was the paparazzi at yeah, that moment. He was <laughs> he was real proud of himself. He's like, look what I look what I got done here. Y'all had a lot of fun. I tell you what, those years uh, to, for all that we went through and you went through from a competition standpoint and then to you know end up with a tart. The dynamics of y'all's relationship has always been fascinating, and you're. 
Listen, I'll, I'll go to my graves talking about how special you are to a lot of people, and you know we're definitely two of them. Uh, well, yeah. listen, I, I've I've watched. Uh, one of the things that that amazed me is we've always been real close, and uh, so we're down in Key West. You know, he's a bunch of guys and having a good time partying, and then about a year or so ago, a year ago, he, I, I look up and he's coming down the dock with a stroller, and I thought. Man, how times have changed. You know? <laughs> I've seen it from the early days yep. to uh, growing up being a special father, loving his little girl. And so we're family, and, and I treasure that, and we'll always be. Yep. You guys are special. Yeah, Rick and Linda have come by the house. I time out of their day come by the house to see Isla, and she'll be here in a bit to say hey to you. Cute as a button. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, we're glad you came. We'll have to get you back on here in a and maybe sometime next year. Okay. we got more stories to more tell. More stories. That's Lots right. of stories. All right, Mr. Hendrick was a lot of fun to have on the show. He's a boss, so he sure knows about how to hire people. Yeah. However, as many bosses know, hiring can be a very slow process, and that's why we're here to tell you about Zip Recruiter and our dear old pal, Dylan. Oh, yes. <laughs> we learned about him yeah. a few weeks ago. Oh. Uh. Dylan Miskowitz, who is the COO of Cafe Altura. Is that right? Uh, I guess. Altura, maybe. Altura. Needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. He was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched over to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed with how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. Nice. Director of coffee. With results like that, it's no wonder four of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-L-E-J-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We have a documentary coming out soon. Everybody has been seeing the, the teases. Yeah. On social media, it's driving me freaking crazy. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm dying to see it. Called Time Machine, and that got me thinking: Is there something that you guys would like to do? Maybe go back in time oh. and do again. Yeah. Mm, let me think about this yeah. one here. Um, to go back in time. Do any of you guys again. have something on top of your head? Well, um, well we, we hit. We did hit, hit social about it too, yeah. and, and got some interesting. Very interesting responses. Some let's of them hear we it. couldn't say. Yeah, yeah some it. of them we couldn't say, um, unfortunately. That's social media. But uh, no surprise. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can lead off with the most interesting one. Christina says she's not buying that damn box of honey buns. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but <laughs> what that started in her life. We all have um, those moments, <laughs> right? Every week. But um, a lot of uh, people talking about races. They would go back and attend again. Hayward Parish going to my first NASCAR Cup Series race. It was dark. Arlington, 1976. Uh, Tyler Everts, 2014 Fall Martinsville race that Dale Jr. won. Best race I've ever seen in person. Nice. 
Uh, Kent Jordan says the final laps of the 1998 Daytona 500 and the reaction from all the teams on pit road. And then a non, another non-racing one, <laughs> John Green. He wants to go back to college, but not the school part. See, I'm opposite of that. I, 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 if I had it to do over again, I would have applied myself. Now, this is really boring, and I wouldn't say, you know, podcast gold. But I wish I'd have tried a little hard, <laughs> harder in college. I, I think, mean, yeah. It, well, I think that the 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 choice here isn't to go back and change something. Yeah. Just go back and revisit. What it. in your life did yeah. you enjoy so much that you would relive? Well, college. <laughs> that, that's one so, yeah. I did. Um, you don't get to alter it. I got you. You just relive it one day. Just like the documentary, Dale going back to uh, to uh, to be a race car driver. Yeah. Can I? Uh, this sounds so <laughs> cheesy. You know, my very first race with you was the 2004 Daytona 500, oh. and and I was so like I was You're so new green. at this thing that I didn't really didn't know what you did. I didn't I didn't know how to appreciate winning a Daytona 500 like I did. And in oh. 2014, it was in the middle of the night. You know, like the 2004 day, I, I would have loved to gone back and relive that again with a with the approach of not being so new with Dale Jimmy because it was such, let me just tell you something. The world around me was not like it was the year before with Jimmy Spencer. Okay, so there was a lot of pressure, you're saying? Well, pro- probably self-applied uh, yeah. pressure, but that was such an amazing moment. When you go back and watch that race uh, again, it's just, I, I would have loved to have lived in that moment a bit uh, better. You know, that, that that's one that comes back to my you know, I would probably pick a victory lane celebration with dad. So, um, oh, yeah. maybe the all star race Oof. in 2000, uh, maybe my Xfinity series championships, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool yeah. for sure. You got anything? I don't know. I'd say probably like a family vacation over nice. again, you know, because yeah. I, I don't can't tell you the last time I went on an actual vacation, so. Well, kind of sounds good right now. Hey, <laughs> really, that's that's that's, inspire, that's inspiring. Right, yeah. We need to send her on vacation. Help her, help her take vacation, Mike. I know. Right. <laughs> like that, like that's that's unusual. I think it goes without saying. Usually, though, like people are family vacations or getting yeah. married. You I know. have like the next yeah. six vacations already planned. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> like no, I don't know anybody that isn't actively seeking their vacation. I wouldn't compare your life to anybody else's. You're, you're definitely in a, in a different scenario than most I know, people. But everybody gets some time off. That's yeah. true. But I'm saying is that and, uh, and Leah needs apparently needs a little inspiration on how to <laughs> spend that time. What are you gonna? For, okay, let, let's let's be real. You can't remember the last vacation you've been on, really? Um, I mean, because you haven't even worked here that long. I know. <laughs> so, uh, but I never took a vacation like when I was in drag racing because you when wow. you, because when wow. you travel so much like my my yeah. time off like I just wanted to be home because I was That's always the way I was gone. When I drove race cars, so right. it, yeah, it hasn't been in the last eight years. I wonder if it has something to do with being married and, and kids. Like the family vacations yeah. mean more. Like you gotta, you know, when I was single, I wasn't going on vacations. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really wasn't. My vacations were different back then. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, not for podcasts, but just for us sitting around the table. But uh, one night, the last night, the one night I raced at Bowman Gray in a mini stock, uh, like I did pretty good. I went from like 14th to 4th, you know, used the front bumper a lot. And it's like the one time that my dad was actually at a race. Oh, that's And like afterwards, we had to fight off some people that wanted to fight us and stuff. And, <laughs> and like 10 minutes afterwards, he just put his arm around me you know my dad's gone now so yeah. this really means a lot but he put his arm around me he's like let's take a picture next to that front bumper i'm like what he goes yeah look what you did this is awesome man you used your front bumper it's so good so we took a picture and i still got that picture and it's like 
the one time that my dad was like so proud of me about something racing, you know, because I wasn't a race car driver like you know you or nothing. But look, I think you win the award so on cool. this. That, that, that's good. I know how much Bowman Gray means to you. So yeah. having your dad there and a picture from Bowman Gray oh, would be hell. awesome. All right, are we ready to stream? Yeah, okay. we've been ready. I was just going on and on about my own crap. Right. Are we? Are we live? We are. Hey, everybody, it's Dale Jr. with the Dale Jr. Download. You are obviously tuned in on the Dirty Mo Media YouTube channel. Thanks for following Dirty Mo Media on YouTube and all of our other social media handles. This is brought to you by Nationwide, so we appreciate Nationwide for sponsoring this portion of the, uh, the show. So let's get right to it. Let's get your questions going. All right, first question. This is kind of funny that this came in because we mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, you did, Dale. But at Sunny Sherry 73 wants to know, was Suitcase Jake from the 3 movie a real person? Yes. Yeah, so so Jake Elder is the guy, Suitcase Jake. Uh, he was a crew chief in the Cup Series back in the 70s and 80s. And they called him Suitcase Jake because he didn't stick around very long. He moved from team to team. He was very successful where he went. Always improving cars and making them better, but I don't know whether he was hard to get hard to get along with or whether he just was restless and couldn't stay grounded or stay anywhere too long. But they called him Suitcase Jake mm. uh, because he was apt to be packed up and out the door <laughs> before you knew it. Um, I mean, mid-season, it was just crazy the things you know the teams he went to and and moved around a ton. So yeah, Suitcase Jake, Josh. Wants to know what has the been the biggest difference going to the racetrack every week as a driver versus a broadcaster. Well, as a driver, you don't have the uh, well. As a broadcaster, you don't have pressure to perform, right? I mean, obviously, you can't be bad at broadcasting, but so you get a little nervous about going on TV and saying something stupid. We said plenty. You say something. You say plenty of stupid things during any given weekend on the broadcast. And if you watched the race this past weekend, I'm sure that I said some things that were pretty pretty dumb but um you know we're human so you're gonna you're gonna be like you're, you're not always gonna be right but the one thing that's not there uh is the pressure to perform as a driver the 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 pressure to win and run well whether you're no matter who you are no matter what car you're driving it is immense intense uncomfortable and it's hard stressful and uh yeah, and we're in the thick of it right now with these playoffs. Going into the Roval, it's, uh, I mean, and as we get on into the further rounds, it's going to get more and more difficult for these guys and tougher on these guys. And I do not envy the position any of those guys are in. I know driving race cars is glamorous and exciting and thrilling, and, and they get paid a lot of money, and it's just a great way to make a living. But this particular part of it is very, very tough. And you for, you, you don't even think about those benefits and 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 positives to it in those moments when you're stressing over your lap time and the balance of the car and communication with your team and the success you had or lack of success you've had over the last couple weeks you forget all about the positives and you're just you know this miserable person trying to succeed Mm. you know and it can make you pretty miserable so i'm glad that that's sort of something i don't have to deal with anymore at least in the broadcast booth it's just a fun experience we have a lot of fun up there goofing around having fun calling these races donkey evo is on youtube live chat and he says that he has ran some modifieds with you in the early days of iRacing and he's always been curious what is your favorite car on the service that's a tough one um i used to really love the the late model stock car on there um but i haven't ran the service really enough to to have a favorite on the asphalt side 
Um, the tire models changed a lot since I was running on a regular basis, and I'd have to run all the cars thoroughly to really pin, pinpoint one. But I'm enjoying the heck out of the dirt side, and running the modifieds over there are a lot of fun. Uh, the sprint cars, um, the, the crate light models, and stuff like that. Um, all that stuff's a, a good good time on the dirt side. So that's been a I got a rig coming here in a few in a few weeks, and hope to get back on iRacing a little more regularly. Uh, David Solomon has been asking a lot lately on Twitter. Uh, Dale, where is your 2001 Pepsi 400 car located today? Was it ever raced again after that race? Well, I got the side off of it in my shop at home. I think we did reskin that car, and uh, they cut the side off. They let me uh, have that side because uh, tr- uh, after the race down the back straightaway, after we took the checkered, Matt Kenseth come down the back straightaway and me and him uh rubbed cars and it has donuts all the way down the right side of the car from that and so tony jr said hey i'm gonna cut this off if you want it i said yeah i'll take it and i think they reskinned that side and we took that car and raced it a couple more times and i don't know whatever happened to it i don't know where that car is today i, I imagine if it's anywhere it's at Teresa's uh uh at the shop at dei uh, Jason M is on YouTube and he says, Jay Cole gave you a shout out on his album. What life advice did you give him? Yeah, it was a, he, um, he has, a at the back end of the album he released several years ago, he said that he met me and I forget who else it was in an elevator and, and he's like, man, what they said was so, so powerful. I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but, um, it was a joke, but it actually, <laughs> so we never met. But it actually did connect us. Like we ended up, um, we ended up uh, doing a shoot together for what was that? ESPN, ESPN the magazine. magazine, which was a lot of fun to be able to hang out with him, talk with him. We spent some time and he shot some basketball and stuff. Uh, Leonardo Ross wants to know: Do you have a favorite beer? Uh, the coldest one in the cooler. I don't. <laughs> I don't really have a favorite right now. I'm drinking those Bud Fifty Fives and Bud Lights and Miller Lights and Coors Lights and just kind of <laughs> bouncing around on all that i still got you know budweiser budweiser's close to my heart because of the relationship we had obviously all those years but i don't mind drinking uh you know a coors or a miller light every once in a while too so uh scott larock he's asking for some fantasy football advice he says he's lost breeze roethlisberger and cam newton wow. uh do you have any recommendations or a dark horse that he can that pick new, up that new uh that guy for the giants that played yesterday yeah. did freaking awesome so and honestly, um, I don't know how long he'll start, but the Keenum for the Redskins, he's put up some decent numbers. I think, um, I don't know, you know, it's so hard this year with fantasy football. His quarterbacks are dropping like flies. Who's, who's filling in for Roethlisberger? I have no clue. Yeah. Don't know this guy's name. Uh, Mike Gibson wants to know, what do you think about your dad's car being the pace car for Talladega? Yeah, I'm excited about that. So dad's car that he won his last race with at Talladega will be pacing the field Richard Childress is going to drive it, so that'll be pretty cool to see. I'm I'm excited to uh, – that visually will be pretty emotional, I'm sure, for a lot of people, me included. I uh, can't wait to see it. And last question, uh, Chris wants <clears throat> to know, what does your shirt say? You can't really see it here on our It's YouTube actually stream. a Talladega shirt. I stole the pace car. <laughs> so in, I think, 1985 or six, a fan jumped in the pace car in the middle – right before the race was getting ready to start. Jumped in the pace car. Somebody had left it unattended with the keys in it. And he took off around the racetrack. It was a Pontiac, red Pontiac pace car. And they had to create a roadblock off of turn four 
to slow this guy down and stop him. And man, did they yank him out of that car? <laughs> Boy, the day manhandled this guy when he got when he stopped and they opened. Him. So the funny part about it is, when they got him stopped, they went up to the door to unlock it. And he kept locking it back. <laughs> oh, they really? unlock it, and he's locking it back. Oh my gosh! He's a little uh, inebriated. Oh. 1986. But they drug him out. Wow. By like, yeah, his <laughs> hair was awful. But yeah, I stole the pace car. <laughs> so yeah, Talladega's making a bunch of retro shirts kind of like this, and I like it. That's awesome. Oh, it's cool. All right, that's it for today. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks to Nationwide for sponsoring the Ask Junior segment of the podcast. This ain't your average race recap. Unfiltered commentary and an abundance of opinion. Mr. Nice Guy or Mr. Get the out of my way. Like Johnny Cash, we ain't afraid to walk the line. I'll walk the line. Listen to Door Bumper Clear. Available on all major podcast platforms. It burns, burns, burns. Ring of fire. Door bumper clear. clear. White flag. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. Dale Jr., you'll be going to the University of Southern Maine this Thursday for a speaking engagement with Dr. Mickey Collins. That'll be fun. Is signing uh, your racing to the finish, which, by the way, did we want to talk about the Jeopardy clue? Right about that, huh? I mean, when did you find out that you were a Jeopardy clue uh, in, in racing to the finish? When you sent me, you sent me. I either I didn't send you anything. You, 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 I must have seen it on social media. Right. <laughs> Dude, what is it like? Did you not like that? I mean, that was pretty awesome, right? I mean, I'm not surprised by these things anymore. Do you remember? <laughs> Well, that's funny because the clue actually was uh, this junior of NASCAR probably never figured to be a New York Times bestselling author. I never figured to be. But in 2018, he was racing to the finish. I never figured to be an answer on Jeopardy. Yeah. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, dang, the whole my whole life's been some crazy dream. So what 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 else? All right. Jeopardy. Awesome. That was pretty cool. Did he he say who is? How would you feel? Oh, I, I would. I was, oh my God, I was on cloud nine for you. I mean, like, I, I was how on? would I feel? I mean, I was ecstatic because you were in it and the book was in it. I thought that was awesome. This is what I had as an emotion, all right? So when it come out that they were, I was so glad for the book. Well, yeah. So, it was, I, you know, I was, my emotion was freaking awesome, man. That book, I wanted that book to resonate. I wanted that book to reach yeah. Have a broad, broad reach, and damn, it's 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 it's. I felt more glad for the book than I did for my person. Right. You know what? Now maybe I did send it to you because I had sent it to Mickey hey! Collins. Mickey Collins, yes. and he replied. He, he yes. was so ecstatic. So I wanted you to see what Mickey said yes. about it. Exactly. Thought he would. That's how that worked. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that was fun. Jeopardy. That isn't the first time you've been a Jeopardy uh, question, by the way. That's just been the first time for racing to finish. That's yeah. what it's all about. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Big week this week uh, with uh, Time Machine, as we said earlier. A behind-the-scenes look at Dale Jr.'s weekend in the race car. Uh, Tuesday, which is tomorrow as I read this, I'll be emceeing an event Tuesday night called Brenda's Bets for Pets. It's a... <laughs> Left-right center tournament. This was yes. a big deal for Brenda. She loved those left-right center games. 
Uh, it's a left-right center tournament being put on by the Dale Jr. Foundation and Junior Motorsports employees to honor the life of Brenda Jackson and also raise money for animals and pets, certainly something Brenda was passionate about. When they came to me and asked me to do this, I thought it was basically like the little group of Brenda friends in the office, you know, that she would have over at the pool every now and again. There's uh, like 120, 130 people going to this thing to raise money for Brenda's be- uh, bets for pe- pets. I'm, I'm butchering that thing. So that'll be fun. Um, lo- you coming? Love, honor it. What's that? You coming? Yeah. I'll be there. I'll see you there. You are going? Yes. Oh, man. I'm going. My wife. Oh, everybody's going. I said, hey, honey, we going to this thing? I know she was. She goes, your ass is going. <laughs> she buys, it's for your mom, damn it. Yeah, good. And I'm like, well, Mike Davis better be there. Well, I'm, I've got a job. So, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, you have a responsibility there. Well, that was what I said at the beginning. I said, I'll be emceeing an event Tuesday night called oh. Brenda's Bets. For You're Pets. emceeing it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my That's God. Awesome. I know. Well. And you know they have an auction. See, I, I have a problem with the foundation right now because they want me to also be an auctioneer for a couple <gasps> live auctions. I said, no, that's not what I agreed to do. Right. I'm sure you have some experience. Being you auction? look like one of those kind of people. What, what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, you what just, what does sh- an auctioneer look like? You. Just out of care. Good, good teeth. <laughs> he looks like you. Good teeth. The teeth. <laughs> you think are you complimenting your own teeth? <laughs> well, they are pretty fascinating. Right. If you had, if we all stood against the wall, everybody in this room, and somebody had to come in here and say, pick out the auctioneer, I bet more people would pick Mike. Everybody point. <laughs> yeah, I, I would pick the two pick guys the auctioneer that, have, out of the lineup. that have the glasses. Y'all look, y'all look Glass. like auctioneers. Why do the glasses Probably have, what do glasses have anything to do with what is What do I have to do with anything looking like an auctioneer? You can't answer that, so I can just say yeah. auctioneers <laughs> have glasses. We, we right if we're, if we're, we're going to just... Well, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, you're, you have the gift. Y'all better be careful. Y'all better be careful. We're we're treading in some dangerous waters here. We're all giving my <laughs> together. No, you no. know where this ends up. No, on no, Twitter. no, no, on Twitter. no. You have I, the gift of gab. That's all we're saying. Yeah, we, you have a gift of gab. Of gab. Yeah. Of gab. That's so that makes me an auctioneer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna be the quietest auctioneer tomorrow night. I'm just gonna be like. <laughs> There's an item. Sold. Anybody want to bid on it? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, we have a Smooth winner jazz. over there in the corner. I'm going to actually pin it on Dale Jr. That'll be my gift of auctioneering. There I'm going to be go. like, winner to the guy in the glasses on his phone, texting people right now, not paying attention. That's Dale Jr. You're taking that home. See, he's going back at you. <laughs> yep. Okay, uh, let me get through White Flag. How's that? <laughs> Uh, watch our TV show on NBC Sports Network. This is going to be 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, on, uh, yeah, I just said that, NBC Sports Network. Apple ratings and reviews. We had a few. Jason in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania said, The Hornaday show was awesome. Yeah. Dale, my wife wanted me to send you a big thank you for the event that you and Amy did uh, with blessings in a backpack for the kids. You did that last week at uh, an elementary school. That was fun. Uh, Rob from Texas writes, Dale, you've come a long way since being that guy who couldn't get up in the mornings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now you're coming in and doing your podcast on four hours sleep. By the way, I was at Texas when you won your first bush race. We'll never forget it. And then lastly, JK McGlone writes, every week I eagerly await for the latest edition of the download. I love, I love every aspect of it, but recently have come to love the Mountain Dew DTO segments. Hey, you release certain parts each week as a separate short segment. And I think this would be a great regular segment. I especially appreciated the Lee Langley DTO. Thank you, Lee, for your service and sacrifice to our country. And thank you, Dirty Mo Media, Dale Jr., and Mountain Dew for supporting him while he was in the service, during his rehab, and after his service. So there you go. I thought that was an awesome one yeah. to end on. Oh, man. Hey, you know, I just spotted something. Are you uh, done with your white flag? I am done. Awesome. 
Well, you see across the uh, t- table there, that car, the Wrangler Blue? Yeah. That's new. There's a lot of new ones up there. there there's the uh, John Force uh, drag car, funny car oh, there. Oh, yeah. The Days of Thunder car over there. Days the, of Thunder car, yep, I see. Yep. It? And then, yeah, the number two Wrangler car. Good. So can we talk about that for a second? You actually uh. asked people to send <laughs> diecast. <laughs> why? What? Why, why did you bad, know? Why I, are y'all making a big deal out of Well, this? because <laughs> we got a bunch. We got a bunch more. Oh, right? Really? Yeah. We're going to open up a diecast store. Nice. So look. <laughs> That Wrangler number two, a guy was do a guy was building this yeah. on social media, and I don't even have his contact. I wish I did because I want to know. I want to tell people who this guy is. But he sent it to me. I yeah. said, "Hey, can you do another one?" I was willing to negotiate a, a fee or whatever, and he said, "I'll just send you this one." And it's basically cool. the identical copy of the car I I um, restored. Yeah, and decaled. So now I have this diecast version to the T. Perfect. You know what we discovered today, by and the, the guy way? did such an awesome job. It is. It looks good. What, what did we, <laughs> we discover? discovered that the city Chevrolet one that got sent to us, um, the cold trickle car, yeah, came from a smoking house because that thing smells like a oh, pack of cigarettes. Yeah, it's that's hilarious. a risky take. It's a risky take. <laughs> it's a risky take. But anyways, thank you for everybody. Dale, are you wanting to say this is a coming? model? Yeah, the uh, same guy sent that one. Yeah. Yeah, I a mean, lot of these are models. Incredible! You Two you actually had said that people are, are building these cars themselves, and you know, as models. I'm nervous about getting, that being around here because it, you know y'all moving on and off the desk. Yeah, it could be. We got a plan with a bin that we're working on. Yeah, we do actually have that. This thing's going to be in pieces yeah. in a couple more. That's weeks. why I'm thinking that one's going to go up there. Yeah, let's get it somewhere. All right, guys, that's white yeah. flag. All right, Dale, odd history. Mr. H has decided to stick around and be a part of this one, so this is pretty special. So, Rick, every 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 episode we get a little piece of odd history, and these are always pretty uh, pretty fun. Most of them, mostly stories we don't know, and they are definitely odd. <clears throat> so, we'll get this one started. Actor Paul Newman had quite the passion for auto racing. A lot of folks know that. While filming the 1969 motion picture winning, he had gotten bitten by the racing bug and he never looked back. It's well documented that he raced in various sports car ranks for years and even co-owned an any car team. So it was no surprise that when you, Rick, invited him to hop in a stock car, he accepted the offer. But Newman wasn't the only actor that would get laps during the test. On January 3, 1987, Rick had Newman and Tom Cruise at Daytona International Speedway to test the Bush Series Pontiac. Must have been a Ventura. It was a car that Darrell Waltrip was testing that day. Newman got up to speed quick, turning a lap over 190 miles an hour. Mm. Never having driven a race car before, Tom Cruise's fastest lap was 178 before he lost oil pressure and brought the car back to the garage. <laughs> that was his story, his excuse. <laughs> The test gave Cruz the inspiration to begin a racing career, and he co-drove with Rick in an IMSA race at Road Atlanta, finishing 14th later that year. In July 1987, Newman had just won an Oscar for his role in the movie The Color of Money. That looked to be the highlight of the year until this. It was announced that Paul would make his Winston Cup driving debut. For Hendrick Motorsports in the upcoming race at Watkins Glen, he would drive the number 51 Levi Garrett Monte Carlo using a chassis that Jeff Bodine led 32 laps with one year earlier. Unfortunately, two weeks before the race, he withdrew citing scheduling conflicts. What? While Newman never drove a cup race, he reunited with Rick to co-own a team driven by Greg Sachs, which ran part-time in 1990. They planned to run the full schedule in 91 before sponsorship deal fell through. So 
Paul Newman was going to run a cup race. Yeah. Yeah. How did he? What, how could he not change his plans? I know. Too, what was uh, more I, important? I, I, Scheduling I conflicts. I mean, it's not like the Watkins Glen race crept up on him. I mean, I don't know. He was good. Paul was really good. Yeah. I mean, he he was a heck of a driver, and uh, I th- I think he would have done well. I don't remember what happened. Dang, but, that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, it would, it that is. would be awesome piece of uh, history for NASCAR had Paul raced. You know, the coolest thing about all that is when you think back, you forget about some of those things that have happened. Yeah. But, uh, that you know. car that Greg Sachs drove for you, that couple races, that 18 slim fast car, I think. Yeah. He's yep. fast. Oh, yeah. So fast. Yeah. Almost beat Daddy a couple times at Talladega. All right, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell one more story. One more. Let's, okay. not, let's do it. So we had a DJ, a Chuck Boozer, spotting with Greg Sachs. And he was running behind your dad, and he thought there was two laps to go on the white flag, and he sat there and rode behind him. Oh. And didn't try to pass Didn't try to pass him. Because yeah. the spotter didn't know what, how many. We oh. It, it was. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's we such. weren't as sophisticated back then <laughs> as we are now. Y'all wow. were spread a little thin running yeah. that extra car. Had oh, a my DJ. Did he tune? Did he did he play any tunes during the race? <laughs> That's what I needed instead of a spotter was a DJ. <laughs> that was my problem. Yeah, yeah. That that was your problem. <laughs> that was it. That was the only problem he had. That yeah, I got it. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, man. It's a good show, Mike. It was a good show. Lot covered a lot there. Um, be fun to have Rick come back and uh, continue telling some more stories. We get he. It's hard doing these interviews with these guys because they have such a history, but we can only get to a little bit of it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that's a wrap. Man. We done. We'll Yay. see you next week. <laughs> Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.